Yo, yo, yo. Hey guys, what's poppin'? Jock Slade here, and we're back with the Outside the Box podcast. Of course, this show is the show you love. It's about sneakers, it's about technology, uh, and it's also about relationship advice. If you are in a bind and you need someone to help coach you through, then uh, you've come to the right place. But more than that, you know, we're also here to talk about sneakers and stuff. Um, but this show wouldn't be what it is uh, if it was just me. I, I know the, 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 the silky sounds of my voice are hypnotizing, <laughs> but uh, if, you really, if you really dig into the actual words that I'm saying outside of the, uh, of the base heavily loveliness, loveliness of the voice, uh, you see that it's empty, that there's really nothing there. And uh, that's why we really have the really two most important people on this podcast. We have Tiffany Beers and Nick Ingvall. Nick, go ahead and tell them where they can find you. <laughs> uh, Nick Ingvall, at Nick Ingvall, N-I-C-K-E-N-G-V-A-L-L on all platforms, and uh, at Sneaker History on all platforms. And I love how... I love how Usually we're very modest to, to, on these introductions, <laughs> but Jacques just went all in and just was like, "No, you're here for my voice." So uh, I don't know, Tiffany, how do you live up to that? <laughs> I mean, silky smooth voice. Anybody? No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Tiffany Beers. You can find me at Tiffany Beers on Instagram and YouTube, and it is my entertainment tonight to talk to these two about sneakers. <laughs> I'm just. I'm just, I'm just telling, I just telling, you know, just saying it how it is. People, you know, they really come here to listen to you guys. You guys give all the facts. You give the truth. You give the honesty. You give like valuable information, and I just ramble about whatever comes to mind. Uh, with that being said, uh, I'm not at home. I'm in an Airbnb, and I feel weird about being in somebody else's house. <laughs> <laughs> just, like, I don't know if you've ever, if you guys have ever been in an Airbnb. But like, I just have this natural curiosity. Like, I want to learn everything I can about the person whose house I'm living in. I think that's snooping, I, and you're not supposed to do that. Yeah, I don't, right. I don't, I don't I know, know if you should say that. Uh, you know, until oh, okay, after you're out of the that. house. Yeah, yeah. Right. But like, I'm looking at the books. Like, I'm making judgment based on the books that they have on the bookshelf. Um, like, <laughs> looking, looking at like the college paraphernalia. Like, there's a lighter just sitting on the shelf. So I'm like, is there? Are they? a smoker Do, like are they, is it cigarettes is it weed are they is this a weed heads house like i don't know there's just so many anyway okay sorry uh, what state go. are you in again <laughs> i'm in north carolina uh, hmm. let me stop judging people uh, but anyway uh it's a, it's, it's a lovely home though it is a lovely home i'll say that it is a lovely home um enough enough about my personal tribulations and trials uh all right so let's get the show started so we got some comments from you guys, which we always love. So if you ever want to send us comments, please do. Uh, it's Outside Pods on Instagram, on Twitter. Uh, we're on Tinder. We're on Bumble. We're on Grinder. We're on all of we those places. We are not. We're not on all those. We're only on Instagram and YouTube and other places with podcasts. Sorry, Instagram. Maybe just Instagram and Twitter. Uh, maybe it's, I was hoping we were on Grinder, but that's just, obviously it's not going to happen. Um, but you can, if you wanted to find us, uh, just, just look for outside pods. And anyway, you can DM us and we got a DM from, I think this was Rev Fresh to Death. Let me make sure I said that right. Yeah. yeah Rev Fresh to Death. And the question is, he wants to know a time we fell for the hype and regretted it once the hype faded. So, uh, I'm, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll start this one off. So 
a shoe that I kind of felt, well, I can't say that the hype faded, but I did kind of get caught up in the hype was with when the Yeezys first released with the 750 <laughs> and the 350. So uh, because in part, it's part personal and part because of my job. So I'll say part because my job is, is sneakers and I need to know all about sneakers, but also part of just, you know, wanting to be a part of that cool crowd. Like I fall victim to that just like everybody else. So I bought Yeezys early on. So I have maybe six or seven pair of Yeezys and I have yet to wear one pair of them. Uh, I, I have literally never worn them. Um, I've taken them out of the box, I've shown them to people, people have come to my house and they've taken them out of the box and looked at them, but I have actually never worn them and it just, I just didn't really, the, the silhouette didn't really speak to me at the end of the day. And I think that's what matters most at the end of the day. Like, am I really going to wear this? And is it, does it speak to me enough to where I'm actually going to wear it? But then I also think it got to the point where just everybody had them and everybody was wearing them. And so that kind of pushed me away from wearing them because like, I don't want to show up and 10 different people have on the same pair of shoes that I have. So I think that also kind of hit me. Um, and then it just got to the point where it was kind of like, all right, now I'm over it. Like I'm just over Yeezys now. And like now I have them and I just have no, really no interest in wearing them. I just, I don't know, I guess the, the appeal is gone for me. So I don't, I don't know if that's the kind of story you're looking for, Rev Fresh to Death, but that's, that's my angle. I'll toss, it, I'll toss it over to Tiffany, see what she, <laughs> see what she has. I was hoping to hear from Nick first. <laughs> uh, okay, well, let's go to Nick. Uh, you know, this is really hard because I don't think that like, I don't think I fall for the hype as much as I do like I fall for my own hype in, um, you know, like, like retro product, for instance, like I love Nike basketball from the 90s, right? So I'll buy like, like the recent penny retros or like the maestro retros, but like the worst one was the air up from a couple of years ago. They did like this mm. like plastic vacuum tech thing and I guess I just didn't realize that's what it was, but I was so hyped to get it cuz it was one of the shoes that Penny Hardaway wore and right. you know the like kind of like black white black white across the side with the big blue swoosh. I just thought I mean that was like one of my favorite shoes when I was you know younger and I, I mean that shoe hurt my feet so bad, like. <laughs> and I, I wore it. I wore it. I think I wore it like at the time I was working at Finish Line, and I wore it to work one time and gave them away. I just took them to Goodwill because wow. I was just like, "There's just no way I'll ever wear these again." Um, wow. It maybe yeah. I might have I might have given it a second try, which would have been me hyping it up to say no. This is really cool enough to put up with the pain, and never is wow. that a good idea. But um, that's that's what comes to mind when I think of like bad decisions based on my own hyping up a product in yeah, my yeah, head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did I give you enough time, <laughs> Tiffany? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, here's the core of the problem for me. I mean, great story, Nick. If you have to buy moleskin to wear a shoe, it's probably not right. comfortable. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, right. the hype is not real. That's so, funny. for me, I would say, you know, since I left Nike, you know, I think I got caught up on the hype on the Element 85. 
because I thought it looks mm. really awesome. I really love it. But when you wear it, it is uncomfortable. Unless you're wearing tall yeah. socks, it is uncomfortable. Blisters, red hot spots, you know, I mean, uncomfortable shoe. And actually doesn't look that good once it's on. So I feel like that is one that I got caught up in the hype of. But then I sold mine on eBay, so I made a, a little bit of a margin. So I was, you know, not too <laughs> upset about it. But I have to say, as an employee, um, there were many, many times, I mean, as an employee, you don't end up with a collection of 300 pairs of shoes without thinking something's going to be hype, right? I mean, I found myself buying shoes that I did not like. Like, so for example, when the wedge came out for women, right? And the sky high Mm -hmm. dunks, I thought, oh, these are going to be great. They're so, they're on point. Finally, a women's shoe. They are so uncomfortable. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> so, you know, like there was a, there was an example where I bought two or three pair and literally just gave them to Goodwill as I was moving because uh, I never wore them. They still had tags on them. So um, I am not a good example of hype uh, or do I know what's going to be hype. And so I only focus on buying shoes that I really like and that they're comfortable and I'm actually going to use and wear and have a purpose for. So... It's kind of anti-hype, but at the same time, you know, we all fall to the hype from time to time. The brands rely on it. Yeah. You, you know, yeah. it's interesting. Oh, no, absolutely. Thinking about this, like, I think like, and, it, and this is kind of a little bit of a tangent from the, from the, the question itself, but um, I think that like shoes like the, the first Yeezy from Nike or any of the Jeremy Scott stuff, right, with Adidas from years back, where like the design was so different than like the normal of what we were used to from that era that those are like the shoes like I I, I bought like some of the Jeremy Scott wings like I don't regret it because I loved those shoes I got the denim ones and I wear them occasionally but like the trend for that is so far off now that I just feel like right can you ever wear that again and, and I kind of feel the same way like the easy one just when I look at it, it seems so dated to me now compared to yeah. especially compared to like the Nike Yeezy 2 right like the, the the step from the 1 to the 2 was like like monumental to me like I think you know oh that, that, what, that what two are these was words so <laughs> I completely disagree I am sorry oh, really? respectfully completely disagree I mean the Yeezy 1 was pure it w- it was there was a purity to it. I, th- I still think it's a great looking shoe and um, there's shoes out there trying to copy it still. I mean, the easy yeah, two was true, okay, true. but it was, it was like, a, you know, I got my first round. This is what I learned and here I'm going to go after it again. But the easy one, I mean, I'm biased guys, be honest. <laughs> I worked at Nike at that time. I may right. have worked on that project. I may oh. have samples. Oh. I still love Got them. It. They're they're awesome. I think they're super great. That was a super awesome project. So you do you feel like wow. that the the two didn't wasn't enough of a step away from the one? Like do you feel like it was like just the formula just was repeated with different you know pieces? Uh, you know I wasn't involved with the two at all, so I I don't know the actual story behind it. But the story behind the one is really pure. Um, yeah. It's really mm. solid. Um, it was a different experience for me because I got to work on the product. You know, I got to work with the designers. I got to work with all the people involved with it. Um, and so right. it was a really yeah. cool project. It was difficult. It was very difficult. It was challenging for sure. 
But it was fascinating at the same wow. time, you know, um, bringing someone that isn't used to the shoe industry and bringing them up to speed and bringing them into it. And that whole experience was was truly amazing. I'm, I'm grateful for that experience. In the two, I didn't understand. I didn't understand what the story was. I didn't understand the why behind it. I, I mean, very clearly understood the why in the first one. And I don't know if that was communicated well, but... Um, I think the first one offered like an interesting, you know, you got the big strap and you got like, you got a difference that wasn't happening at that time in the market. Like there was, mm -hmm. there were some really interesting things going on with that shoe and challenges made where the, the two was just like, you know, I did it once, I'm doing it again and everyone's going to love it. And, and they did mm. and they wanted it, you know, it was definitely in demand probably for more than the first ones, but, um, I didn't understand the story behind it, you know? Wow. Two, two things here. First, there's someone in the comments going, talk that talk, Tiffany. <laughs> Tell the truth. Yes. Tell the yes. truth about it. Um, but on the second no. part, like, I, I, I honestly feel like I'm in Nick's boat. I like the Yeezy 2 more than I like the Yeezy 1. I thought, uh, yeah, I just, I thought the Yeezy 2 was like a slicker, more slim version of it and this may you know in talk speak from my own bias when it comes to sneakers and the styles that i like but yeah i definitely lean more towards the two than i do towards the one um but it's interesting you know to hear, hear your perspective of it you know from yeah, as, as a designer that you look at the that you look at the one as as more pure and 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 speaks and resonates more with you than the two yeah, I mean the two had new tooling, right? You have so you have a new midsole. When I say tooling, I mean midsole and outsole. You have a custom designed uh, midsole and outsole based on what the designer or the um, collaborators want. Uh, where the one, mm -hmm. you know, we reused, we reused the tooling, so um, which mm -hmm. is arguably more challenging. But um, I think I think there's good and and bads to both, but I just you know. I, you know, to be honest, I didn't I didn't pay much attention to the two, you know, but I, I really think, you know, you look at the what's the Jordan one? That's the um, who's the guy that used to be associated with Kanye. And then now he's got his own collab with Jordan. This is terrible. Oh, Don, for C? Don, Don C, C right. Yeah. That Don C shoe with the strap to me just looks a lot like the Yeezy one. Yeah. Like it's taking a lot of oh. hints from the Yeezy one and, and I really like that shoe. I think it looks really great. Like it's a little bit slimmer, it's a little more minimal um, than the Yeezy one, but at the same time it's like it's kinda going after the exact same look. It's like right. a little bulky, a little tough, strappy, protected. You're like you're ready for everything. You're kind of ready for everything in those shoes. Yeah, and I love that. And and I love this. I 100 percent agree with you, Tiffany, on like the storytelling aspect of it, right? Because especially the timing of all that, like, well, not to pick on Kanye, but he wasn't quite as insane as he is now, or you know, through the years. <laughs> um, so like that first, that first, like him, like doing a little bit of stuff with Louis Vuitton, and seeing like these samples pop up from you know Reebok and. Uh, Nike and like then finally seeing like what he created that to me was way more way cooler way, like I was I was way more like invested in the sh like I didn't get the shoes but like I was way more invested in the whole story the whole process trying to get the shoes like when the two came out I like it aesthetically better 
but you're absolutely right. There was no story. There was no, you know, and part of that probably has to do with him potentially leaving Nike or what, I don't know when that actually happened versus when the shoe came out. But like, it felt like, it, it felt like the whole package and the whole marketing side of it to tell those stories wasn't there for the two like you know at all almost so even it doesn't surprise me that even you being fairly close to that whole world when it's happening didn't understand or didn't get get the the message because it's i felt like it didn't exist hardly at all yeah and to be totally honest i had nothing to do with the two i didn't even know what was going on when it was going on you know like like um so i I wasn't associated with it at all but at the same time like you know if you if you go and create something and the first time you make it you make mistakes, right? Because you just don't know. And the second time, yeah. you're like, you know, if I could do that again, I would do this differently. And and that's kind of what, to me, the Yeezy 2 was. Like, if I could improve mm-hmm. this based on what I just learned, this is this is what I do. But the, that's also why the Yeezy 1 is so beautiful. Because you don't know what you don't know. And you mm-hmm. give it a shot. And you go for it. And that's what you got. Where the Yeezy 2 is like, I've been down this road once. This is what I do. You know, you're striving for perfection more. Um, mm-hmm. And I like the yeah. rough and rawness a little bit better. I respect that. Yeah. I respect that. I love that. That's a Just cool, uh, that's cool to I'm hear gonna, that perspective. Yeah. And I'm going to throw one last shoe out here that I thought was going to be huge, but wasn't the Nike Air Zoom Mariah Flyknit Racer. And I'll leave it at that because I know no one else cares. I wow. thought that shoe was right. going to be good. <laughs> the Nike Air Zoom Mariah. Yep. The Mariah Flyknit Racer. I thought it was going to be big. Yeah. I thought people, I was like, oh, people are going to love this shoe. It's going to be, go gangbusters, as they say on the news. <laughs> and it did not. It did not. No one, I don't even think it, it was a blip on, the, on, on anyone's radar. And um, I actually did a video about that, admitting that. And people were like, yeah, we wish, everyone was like, yeah, we thought this shoe was going to be bigger. But it didn't. So it is what it is. I'll take that loss on my own. And uh go to my grave with it <laughs> uh, but uh, next up uh, is something that uh, did was this brought up by uh, by someone in the DMs or I think or is this something we want to talk about with goat and, and Kyle Kuzma so he signed to goat if I'm make sure I remember this right he signed to goat and he's gonna wear whatever shoes from goat he wants that are Nikes obviously because he's a Nike athlete but we haven't really heard much from them about it, which is weird because it seems like that's something that you would hype up if you have an NBA player as a part of your roster. Has anyone heard anything about it or know anything else that's happened outside of like that first initial announcement? I haven't. Uh, so this, this came from Dre McGray on Instagram. Um, yeah, I haven't heard anything about it since they announced it. I mean, they announced it mid-October I want to say um right and you know I, I've seen Kuzma like in shoes I don't rem- I think maybe there was um maybe maybe the deal wasn't necessarily on court shoes but it was shoes that he was going to wear to and from the game you know because that's like a whole thing now is like people got to be seen yeah. walking in with three pairs of shoes in order to be cool but um I I, I think this the, the whole deal was incredible like it was exciting to see that like it's actually something that i won't say who but i talked to people at one of the major retail two of the major retailers about setting something like that up and doing something like that 
where they could have their own kind of sponsored athlete because what it does is like it, it creates excitement around a variety of products but it also highlights the product that he's going to wear on court so it's good for you know nike basketball because he has a deal with nike basketball like he's been playing in the adapt recently and if he yeah. shows up to you know the game pregame for instance in the easy one or wearing carrying the easy one or something like that somebody's going to snap a picture it hits social media and i mean it just like so much potential to do so many cool things with that but i I really haven't seen anything in regards to it at all yeah that's so it's so weird so like i just did a just a little quick google search and literally if you type kyle kuzma and goat all the stories are from october yeah like october october 17th october 18th 2018 and there's no news about it after that which is which just seems strange to me I, I would think that there would be more more stuff out there about it or even like on the sneaker <clears throat> blogs or or really anywhere i don't i don't see anything about it i don't know what happened with that deal if it just hasn't happened the way that it that people expected it to or um i don't know if maybe he hasn't been wearing the right silhouettes and maybe that's what it is maybe he needs a, a better curated selection to play in or to to wear to the game or maybe it's because the Lakers aren't doing well, or maybe it's because LeBron's on the Lakers and LeBron's taking all the shine. I just, I don't know. That's that's just a pretty odd situation to me to see, like, such for it to be such a big deal and then nothing to come of it. Yeah, I think it's I think that's one of these little checkpoints, if you will, right? Like, relatively new guy, kind of a rising star. Is he as big of a star as we think? Like, let's throw something out there and see what happens, and let's wait. Mm-hmm. And then let's let's see what happens in playoffs, right? Let's see what happens with this team. Like, I think they're just testing the waters with this a little bit. You know, I think it takes the right personality, the right, the right skill with the right personality to have a winning combination. And um, you right. bet on those sometimes, and sometimes you lose, and sometimes you win. And it's an expensive bet to lose. So yeah, to me, it definitely. seems like that's what they're kind of, they're just testing the waters to kind of see what the general interest in him is. Um, but who knows? I mean, maybe there's an injury we don't know about. Maybe there's a complication, you know, anything yeah. could, anything could happen. But um, he seems like a pretty interesting person to kind of build a story about. So I kind of hope they build more. I, ho- I hope it moves forward because I'd be interested in, music, uh, in hearing more about him yeah I, and i'm like i'm i love goat like i think there's it's just a, there's a great opportunity here for him um you know and i just don't know where it's, it's going to where it's going to come from um i just I, I would love to see goat expose this story a little more um because it, it does seem like there there's an opportunity there for, for them to really separate themselves from the stuff that everyone else is doing like what the stock x is doing what stadium goods is doing um, they have this opportunity with him to really highlight him and, you know, almost kind of help legitimize the platform of, se- of the secondary market. I think the secondary market is still in that, that le- being legitimized phase. I think it's cool if people know about it and like venture capitalists will start to invest and stuff like that. But I think having this NBA player attached to it takes it makes it a little bit more legitimate than than it would if if there was no one attached to it so i would i would love to see them do a little more with him 
Yeah, and, and look at what Foot Locker just did, right? They just invested in right. GOAT massively. So, like, something's coming. Like, something interesting is happening here. Yeah, and that, that Foot Locker thing is, blows my mind. Um, yeah. That is, that is like, they, uh, they invested $100 million in GOAT. Now, just, just to kind of put that in, into perspective, GOAT has been around for, I believe, five or six years. And in that five or six years, they've had a total investment from venture capitalists of $97 million in total. Foot Locker what? came along and invested more than they have had in total over those five years in one single investment. Um, so that's a big, that's a big move on Foot Locker's part. And I think we can we can really dig into this one a bit because um, I, I see it as, as a couple of things for Foot Locker. Um, one, I think they see how big the secondary market is, and I think any brand retailer is going to see that amount of money passing hands and not have their hand in it. I think this is Foot Locker dipping their hands into the secondary market. Um, two, I think it also makes it it's Foot Locker's attempt to be cool in the digital space. Foot Locker has kind of lost some of their cool cachet. I think when we were kids, Foot Locker, it was amazing to go to a Foot Locker and it was like a big deal to kind of go to Foot Locker. And that appeal and that sort of nostalgia I think that we have is lost on this generation. And I think that generation, they have placed that sort of nostalgia on StockX, on GOAT, on Stadium Goods. And this is Foot Locker kind of buying that cool or that nostalgia back. Um, and then on the third thing I see here is this is a great opportunity for GOAT. Foot Locker has these store within a store, like setups for Adidas and Puma and, and Reebok, and then they have like 702 for women. And I think this is a great opportunity for GOAT to expand their retail presence. And, you know, kind of like with the Kyle Kuzma thing, really legitimize the business in a way that you know you can see a goat section inside of a Foot Locker or inside of a House of Hoops. Have you know this is the quote unquote greatest of all time selection, and it's a selection of sneakers that are super hard to get and super hard to get your hands on, and they're right there available to you inside of a Foot Locker store. You don't have to go online. You can walk into a store. You can put it in your hands. You can look at it. You can touch it. You can feel it. So I think there's a huge, huge opportunity for the secondary market. And with, especially with it tying into retail with a retail partner like Foot Locker. Um, but again, I, this is again, just me making stuff up. Uh, I don't know <laughs> how you guys feel about it, but you know, that's just kind of where my mind went when I heard about the deal. I mean, for me, like the fact that a major retailer like Footwear just bought, you know, <laughs> Goat who was, you know, kind of the secondary market, like, to me, that's counterintuitive, right? Like, like, you just took GOAT and turned it into the primary market. So, I don't know, I'm a little confused by the whole thing. Like, I get that Foot Locker is trying to be trendy, like, they just invested in uh, Jason Maiden's company the with the kids' mm -hmm. shoes. Um, yep. they're, they're making some really big moves, which I really like. I think it's about time that one of the retailers in footwear did that. Um, but at the same time, like owning part of GOAT, like, I don't know if I trust you anymore, to be honest, as a secondary market. Like, I, I don't know if I trust it. 
Um, really? Because it's backed by a you know a primary retailer. So a primary retailer that makes deals with these brands to to market their product and things like that. Like, what does that do to the secondary market? Does that influence it? I don't want it to. Um, but it brings up a lot of questions for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I could s- go ahead. No, I was gonna say I heard that a lot on Twitter about when I was talking about it on Twitter the other day that there is like they're not sure like now why like Foot Locker is not going to sell us anything they're just going to send it directly to the to the secondary market first uh, and my response to that would be like oh first you're, they would lose their account like they're not going to be you know they they know they can't do that and then my thought was this is an opportunity for Foot Locker really to get paid twice instead of just once um, oh, imagine a platform um, imagine a platform where you know Foot Locker sells you the shoes at retail. They don't even have to ship them to you. You can list them directly on Goat by clicking a button on the Foot Locker website, and they sell on Goat and they're shipped out. The buyer knows they're official because they came from Foot Locker, so there there is no legit checks because it came from Foot Locker. It's from from Foot Locker, who is a trusted retailer, so you don't have to worry about that perspective. You don't have to worry about them being shipped to you or being shipped out because Foot Locker or, or AKA Goat is gonna handle all of that for you. Foot Locker gets the retail money and they also get their cut of the resale money. And like that, that's just that's smarter what, than all that's of us. That's what I thought about. <laughs> yeah. Pos- possibly. I mean, yeah. that's a but great scenario. Twi- yeah, I mean, that's, that's, what I, that's what I think, but I think Twitter thinks, no, Foot Locker is just gonna sell it, just gonna give it to Goat and have Goat do the resale as opposed to getting the retail money and getting the resale money. I think that's kind of like far-fetched though, right? I mean, I totally understand like, you know, there could be temptation to do that, but Foot Locker doesn't control the amount of hype around a product, hardly at all. They almost have zero influence in my opinion on whether a shoe sell resells for more than retail or not. And I think that, you know, you could look at the Travis Scott's, you could look at the Off-White, the Yeezys, none of those shoes, Foot Locker, they would have bought as many as they possibly got of any of those shoes and you know to me there there's no way for them to control the market like the the brands still kind of control but they but they can they can control the supply and demand they're they're your face to the retailer they they can technically do that not to the ex- what do you mean? not to the extent that that the actual secondary market would would respond to it cuz like a lot of that stuff you know gets gets to the secondary market through the back doors of Foot Locker, Finish Line, and other retailers. I know it's not supposed to be a thing, but it happens all the time. And, you, you know, the, the biggest sellers on all the secondary market platforms are probably people that buy from a local, you know, retail store out the back door before it hits, you know, and the manager takes a cut and gets a little bit more money out of it. Um, but I think that the... I think the thing the thing that I think is most interesting about about this is that it, it creates potentially places for people to bring in their shoes and sell them on goat in a foot locker where it's safe, you know, it, it, it takes away the kind of oh, Craigslist, I'm gonna sell my Jordans and then some somebody runs into, you know, violence or problems trying to sell their shoes to somebody else. This almost makes it like like there's almost like a, a, a a safe way for people to do business on the secondary platform or you know on the goat platform on the resale market where 
I just see it kind of all tying together eventually. And I, I, I can understand where, like, there is, in theory, a way that, you know, they could potentially do that or, you know, potentially, like, hold back product to drive up prices. But it's so, it's so unpredictable whether or not a shoe is going to be really, really valuable or not. Like, if you were to look at StockX, for instance, um, go look at, like, Jordan 1 mids, like, say, an all-star Jordan 1 mid from last year, like, low sizes, sizes like 6 to 9, or maybe even smaller. Those shoes sell now for three, four, five hundred $500. When they came out, there were so many of them, and, like, you can still buy big sizes at close to retail or maybe a little bit more, but they were so... Like, there's this weird place in the secondary market that I don't think that any of the platforms can, can fully understand yet, and I think that it's the same thing with Foot Locker and retail, right? Like, it's always a challenge for them to buy, buy, pro, buy the right number of product and actually sell it, right? Because right? at the end of the day, it, Foot Locker can come and say, I want to buy, you know, 2 million Travis Scott Air Force Ones. And Nike's going to be like, no way. Like, we're not making that many. So it's going to be interesting. I think that, like, this is more of a marketing play for Foot Locker to be cool. It validates that they're in the cool space if they want to cross these brands from in a public-facing space. But the same thing with them investing in Jason Maiden. The same thing with them investing in Pencil. You know, like, I could see, you know, they need to tell they need to cut me a check. But Foot Locker, you should just go ahead and buy SneakerCon now because that's the that's the future of of marketing right is in-person events it's not going to be it's not going to be stores and lord knows it's not buying from apps because that's a headache for everybody so a a couple things you said there i really liked i do like that the youth can have a safe place to sell i mean i know my nephew started selling sneakers at like 10 and i was like hey be careful (laughs) like don't be posting those on craigslist (laughs) like let's let's be really careful because you, you might not understand the value. You might not understand the demand. And uh, so I do like that a lot. But if I were Foot Locker and I was doing this, and maybe this reveals too much of my personality, you have an opportunity now to basically say, hey, Adidas, hey, Puma, hey, Nike, I want this shoe and I want it in this volume. And they say no, hmm, okay, that's probably going to be a higher value. Goat, get ready. This is what's coming. You know, like they they have a premonition now because they have both sides of the brand. They they have both sides of the retail really under their wraps that they have yeah. an advantage that no one else has it. And if they use that correctly, they should be able to predict what's going to be more valuable and they can control the demand and supply. If they play their cards right, right. they should be able to do it. Yeah, I think I I, I hear what you're saying. I th- and and my thought on that is that they have access to people that already know that stuff anyway, right? Like I've done work for almost every retailer in the footwear world at this point, it seems like. And, and even dating back, like for instance, like just a few days ago, when, when, um, I worked at finish line in like 2012, 2013, I think maybe 14, something like that. Um, I got a text from one of my, bosses at finish line that I haven't talked to in years, you know, basically saying like, you're, you were right about finish lines should have bought a resale market. And back then it was, it was like the soul collector forums and it was kicksify. There was no goat, there was no StockX. But to me, like that's the, 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 like the future of all of this 
is going to it's going to be very gray. There's going to be like this big pot of of people, a big pot of money, a big pot of shoes and everybody's playing in the same space for instance because at the end of the day like if somebody's going to buy, let's say somebody has $1000 to spend, are they going to buy five pairs of shoes off the wall at Foot Locker? Mm, probably not. They're probably going to go buy one pair of Off-Whites and one pair of Yeezys off of Goat or StockX because that's the cooler thing right now, you know? And it's still the same $1,000 that's going to go into the sneaker market, in my opinion. Like, I, I get that like, we've had this kind of separation of the two markets now for a little bit, but at the end of the day, like, just because there's more people, there's more secondary market platforms out there doesn't necessarily mean that there's more money going... I mean, obviously, the business of sneakers is growing. I'm not saying that it's not. But it's, it doesn't mean that, like, the 20-year-old, the 18-year-old kid doesn't spend the same amount of, on shoes as, you know, they would have two years ago, three years ago, when there was no secondary market platforms. They might have been buying them or selling them on eBay. Um, but, you know, it's just this weird space where we're kind of getting to the point where all of this has to be looked at, in my opinion, at, a, at such a high level of, like, where is this all going? And, you know, for me, Foot Locker is seeing that retail is dying and is trying to create ways to bring in some of the excitement that still exists with their customers. Because, you know, regardless of, of, you know, where you buy your shoes from, I think that the secondary market, if you're into sneakers and have been for the last few years or more, you pay attention to the secondary market, at least in some regard, right? Like, you always have the thought of, like... Right. Oh, Yeezys? Well, they might be worth something. I should just get them, right? And, you know, kind of goes back to, like, falling for the hype or whatever. But, like, it's 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 becoming more and more common for, like, let's say, let's say that, let's say that 20% of the people are, quote, sneakerheads, right? They spend all their time paying attention to sneakers. They know every release. They can tell you when everything's coming out. They correct you on the colorways when you tell them it's the wrong colorway or spell something wrong. That 20% is the one that, that, that four or five years ago looked at eBay before they made a purchase. That percentage is steadily growing because as people understand that like, oh, well, I only have X amount of space in my closet. Maybe I'm going to buy something that I can resell or at least if, if, if I don't like it or I only wear it a couple times, I get most of my money back. And to me, that's kind of this like shifting where it's still the same big pot, but like there's maybe 30 or 40% of the sneaker heads are, you know, they're, they're getting people hyped up and you see people, you know, obviously more people are buying Yeezys now than they were a couple of years ago. And, you know, seems like the same thing for like the off-white stuff, but um, I don't know, that was kind of a, a, a long ramble, but that's kind of my theory on this approach from Foot Locker. And I think a lot of it is also um, there's value in the data. I yeah. think um, I think the brands are starting to, and obviously the retailers are paying more attention to data. Data is becoming more and more important every day in everything that we do. Uh, with everything from AI, you know, predictive buying and all of those things. So I think Foot Locker being able to pull the data from GOAT into their own data just makes them more valuable to a brand. Obviously brands capture their own data based on sales, but a lot of that is just more like manufacturing and sales, like how many we sold to a retailer. But with Foot Locker being able to say, okay, this is how many people bought these at retail, and now this is how many people bought these on the secondary market for this price. 
that data, I'm sure someone way smarter than me will be able to extract information out of that data that, that allows Nike to make better manufacturing and production um, decisions. Foot Locker allows Foot Locker to make better buying decisions, which you know obviously will reflect into the secondary market, which I, I believe. Uh, I think I, I think I said that right. No, I, this is not why. Again, they don't, <laughs> they don't listen to the podcast. Kind of <laughs> but I, I 100% agree with you. But just to counterpoint, just to be that guy, I would say that that's already happened, right? Like, if you look at Jordans in 2012, everything sold out. Retail price of a four was what 140, 150, 160, something like that. Almost every Jordan release now is 180, 200, 220. So they, Nike and Jordan brand saw there's a lot of money on the market to be made. We can raise our prices, increase production, and we're going to eat up this secondary market. We're still going to make more money because we're charging 40 or $50 more per pair that normally at that time in 2012 or 13 was going to eBay or some seller on eBay. And that's, that's the analytics from, from that data probably is what caused those changes. I would also argue that like that's also what's what's been the reasoning behind a lot of these more like hyper focused or smaller brand collaborations because they know that that they've got to continue to spread through the higher energy places and get like that like top tier like you know I won't, I don't want to call it an influencer but like the hyped up brands and the hyped up designers that are that have their own clothing line now are more likely to get a Nike collab than they were five or six years ago because back then it was it was crazy that Nike did any kind of collab with Jordan right like I mean uh-huh. like I don't even know that that there were actual collabs with Jordan brand prior to like 2011 or 2010 it was like yeah, no. very very rare right? right and then now it's like well yeah. Travis Scott gets to do whatever he wants with a one you know, Virgil gets to do whatever he wants with a one. Like, Nigel Sylvester's got a one. You know, Hiroshi with Fragments got a one. Like, everybody's doing something. And I think, I think you know, there is some, like, I, I do have a little bit of, like, kind of concern in the terms of, like, how that data shapes everything. But at the end of the day, I feel like the people that you're talking about are, are so focused on big data numbers anyway. Like, we probably have already been, you know, if there's anything bad to come from this kind of stuff, we've probably already been paying too much for retro Jordans or something, you know. I don't entirely disagree, but I do disagree. <laughs> but I don't want to seem like I'm arguing, so I'm going to say that. But um, <laughs> <laughs> No, I think it's a great conversation. I mean, <laughs> since 2010, 11, you know, there's definitely been inflation, right? And there's been material taxes and import taxes and all these things have changed quite a bit. So um, I would actually blame a lot of that in the price increase versus the data. Um, just, just knowing from working on the inside, you know, there was a huge time, there was a long period there where Jordan produced shoes with kind of crappy quality material. Yeah. And um, yeah. I, just, just from reading the reviews, you know, um, not from working on them because I didn't work on them at the time, but then they had to upgrade back to high quality materials. That's a cost increase, right? And so, 
to see it, it all depends on the exact model you know we'd have to see specific studies on this kind of stuff but i mean the import taxes and things like that you can't you can't say they're nothing i mean they are definitely impacting um i'd love to know from the inside of one of these brands like you know what's their profit on shoes now versus 10 years ago because i bet you it's less actually i bet the cost of making shoes has gone up more than the prices that they've raised you know hyperadapt you know excluding because it's a concept car that was a new new product you know right um kind of different scenario there with brand new technologies like that you know in initial fly nets i think new technologies always cost more to come out with initially um right but i think you know based on the the secondary market i mean if it was me and my whole world based on the secondary market you know 10 years ago i would have jacked prices up big time and tried to take the bottom out of that secondary market i mean Nobody did though. So, you know, if, if people are buying shoes for $500 on the secondary market, why wouldn't you just double your price right there on the spot from 120 to 240? Um, so to me, that's really interesting, the whole dynamics there where you know everyone's selling your shoes on the secondary market for double, triple price. Why aren't you raising your right. prices? So I think this is really complex issue, which, you know, if any of the viewers have insight on this, I would love to know more uh, understanding. Yeah, absolutely. And again, um, I'm making this all up off the top of my head, which probably isn't the best thing to do. Um, <laughs> but, you know, with obviously with Nick, with his experience and Tiffany, with her experience, we've all kind of shared our thoughts. And I would love, love, love if any of you guys uh, uh, can leave us some notes uh, at Outside Pods and maybe we'll get into this on the next episode. Well, you guys tell us what you thought, what you think. Um, why did Foot Locker invest $100 million? Do you think it's worth it for Foot Locker? Um, does this make you look at Foot Locker differently? Or um, does this make you look at GOAT differently? Does this make you look at the secondary market differently? And if any of you guys are actually in the industry and you know a little bit more about this and you want to share it with us, uh, let us know and we can share some of your feedback anonymously. We will, uh, we will definitely keep your identity hidden uh if you want to share some comments with us so don't worry about us being like yeah it was todd his uh nike id number is seven four six three two two one and uh no you don't have to worry about that at all uh so feel free to share with us if you want to share something anonymously um just let us know and again that's outside pods all over the internets um i think that applies quick. for dating advice too right if you want it to be anonymous <laughs> just hashtag anonymous <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, just, yeah, hashtag it anonymous. Um, but you oh, know, I think it's more effective if, if I can, like, really let you know specifically. I want to, you know, I want to talk to you. But, but, but again, if you want to be anonymous, I'm okay with that. By the way, you're, you're now officially uh, referred to on our new YouTube channel as the love guru, Jacques. And, and you know what? I don't want to... <laughs> I'll embrace it, you know, if, if that's what they if that's what they want to call me, I'll embrace it. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with being the love guru. I, I mean, I mean, with with the type of insight and knowledge that I'm able to share, the wisdom that I'm able to pass on, guru guru. I mean, it feels appropriate. I'll, I'll just say that it does it does feel appropriate. Uh, so I, I wanna, thought he was going to say know. it feels not quite enough. <laughs> no no no. If, I, I, well, I, it, I think appro uh, appropriate. I think it's appropriate. Uh, of course, of course, they could take it a step further, but you know, we we won't push. We won't push. We'll go. We'll go. We'll go with Guru. 
That works. <laughs> uh, but anyway, the reason uh, I know earlier in this episode I talked about being in the Airbnb is because I'm in Charlotte for, for, the, for All-Star Weekend. And something that has kind of caught my attention is All-Star Sneakers. I, I feel like the energy that we've had in the past around All-Star Sneakers has died. And I'm not sure if that is, one, because maybe the, the culture is just tired of All-Star Sneakers. Or is it just that brands don't think it's worth it anymore to invest in that way for All-Star, being that it's such a singular event? Um, I don't know, but it makes me sad a little bit, to be honest. I don't get it. I mean, I've never gotten it. I don't understand. Like, All-Star is at the end of the basketball season, practically. Like, why are you introducing new shoes? Like, go... To the, go to the beginning. Go to the beginning so everyone, when they start their basketball season in fall, where high school and college and everybody starts in fall, right? Like, they can yeah. get the new shoes. I mean, to me, it's just a little bit of a too long of a gap from when actual people play basketball to the NBA. Um, although, very fun event and pretty exciting times. Like, I'd love to see more crazy shoes, like, that maybe aren't going to be the next big shoe. But, um, mm. yeah, I, d- I don't know how to put it because it's, in the, it's at the end of the season. It's just before playoffs, right? Yeah. It's, I mean, technically, it's, like, it's supposed to be, like, the middle of the season, but it's cl- it is closer to the, towards the end. Yeah. And, and it, it's, and it I mean, is your, super your awkward because... athletes now are playing in new shoes. Like, hello. Yeah. Yeah. It's super awkward, too, because, like you said, like, the average person, like, the the kids in high school or junior high are playing, you know, or, like, even in college, right? College ends in March, essentially. So you're you're basically, like, all those people are, are like, done with their season, so to speak. But I, 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 I have always thought that the timing of that has been weird especially like the, the cadence of like releases is always like I feel like the brands try to spread them out right like Nike doesn't want to release a brand new KD and a brand new Kyrie on the same week because they want to have like independent marketing campaigns for each yeah. but but the reality is like that's not how it works you know like the real world is like hey we're we're starting to play you know like what's out there new that we want um, but I, I do agree like it, it feels like there's just like a lack of energy around like all-star releases i feel like there's just been it's it's tough to it's tough to compare to like the 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 craziness of like the first time you saw like the you know the i guess like the nasa theme stuff back in 2012 or whatever that was with like the the galaxy foams and and that kind of stuff because that was like so crazy over the top and i think to me that was like the peak energy and and fun that was being had with like product and you know all of that like if it, you know not to take away from all-star because if you've never been to all-star like you should definitely try to go and check it out because it like the events and like the stuff that the people that are there and the brands always do cool stuff and fun stuff um i'm just speaking specifically about like the sneakers i just feel like we've kind of seen a lot of the same stuff repeated and you know like I would love to see more stuff like Tiffany suggested, like just like something crazy, you know, like, I don't know, like just do something that, that nobody's expecting and, and have like a new product that you hadn't even talked about or something. So, um, yeah. All right. Two, two, well, two, well, two things first, uh, since you mentioned, mentioned NASA, 
Uh, we're going to have a quick, <laughs> brief moment of silence for the Opportunity rover. Um, they've been on Mars for eight months, and it's been radio silent for eight months, and NASA is finally saying goodbye. <sighs> and it pains me a little bit. Um, second thing, I just, I just like literally thought about this while we were talking about it, and like you guys are right, like the basketball season for most people is over by the time All Star rolls around, and. Um, um, the other thing is that maybe, you know, just the energy around athletes and their sneakers, athlete sneakers is dying. And it's, it's moving more towards like celebrities and stuff like that. And that's where the energy is. And they don't necessarily participate in All-Star Weekend. So the energy is not going to be the same when, you know, culturally people aren't checking for the athletes in the same way that they were before. So maybe that has to do with it too. But that's a either good way, both. Go ahead. That's a good call out, you know, because I remember when I first watched All Star, I was like, and this, I could be dating myself, but I was like, where's Michael? Like, he's not going to be out there dunking? Where's LeBron dunking? Like, like the slam dunk contest, for sure, is the, the iconic thing of All Star, right? Or maybe I'm just out of the loop. Totally possible. But... Like, where are the big players out there, like, showing us their skills, right? Like, it seems like sometimes sometimes you don't get all the A performers out there. And, and it's right. just kind of like, well, where are, like, okay, they don't want to get hurt for playoffs. Cool. But this is All-Star Weekend, and you're an All-Star. Get your butt out here, throw on some crazy shoes, and let's see what you got. Like... Yeah, I, I don't agree. know. To That's me, that kind point. of it's not really an all-star experience. It's not the best players. It's I mean, it's a I mean, the NBA has amazing players, right? I'm not trying to rip on anybody, but like, show us what you know, LeBron, Katie. Show us what you do in your spare time when you're bored. I guarantee you are doing some dumb dunks and some like silly stuff. That's probably awesome. And like, show it to us. Like, bring it out. Like, let's ha- let's be human a little bit. Yeah, I agree. I think I think like that's always been like for the past like probably I don't know maybe like seven eight years that's been an issue, right? Because as you know, as a fan, you want to see like the absolute superstars of the sport out there all weekend having a good time and playing. But yeah. then, but then, like yeah. you've the the league has extended this whole you know event of three you know now four or five days even, and the superstars are really only there Sunday for the most part, right? And like you get to see you know maybe Steph Curry or Clay Thompson those guys three point contest or skills competitions, but like you're not seeing LeBron out there. Um, you're rarely seeing like KD or anybody like that where it's like your top you know let's say top 10 20 people in the league players in the league aren't out there until sunday it kind of i don't know it's kind of lost its its you know appeal in my opinion because of that yeah yeah that's a, that's a good point that's a good point that that energy that used to be around it isn't necessarily there anymore it feels like people are kind of stepping away from it and not participating in the way that we that we would like them to. And maybe that just goes to our expectations or maybe it just goes to the athletes, you know. Yeah, I mean, Jacques, out. have an awesome time there. It'll be amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it should be, it should be fun. It'll be, it'll be fun, but at the same time, you know, you do want to see those guys play. Uh, but anyway, well, I think that this is a good show. I, I love the talk we had today. This was good. This was good. Uh, I think this is our first, like, 
real like disagreement when it came to the easy stuff. We don't usually disagree <laughs> on most things. We, we generally along the same lines. We, we may have a few variations on things, but this is the first time I think we were, we were like, no, yeah. it's the other one. Yeah, it's good. I love it. I love it. Uh, for you guys listening, as always, I just want to say thank you guys for listening. We really do appreciate you. Uh, make sure you find us on Outside Pods. I am Jacques Slade. You can find me all over the internet at Cousteau. That's K-U-S-T-O-O. That's on the Instagrams, on the Twitters, on the YouTubes, on the Grinders, Bumbles, Tinders, <laughs> and on Pinterest, and uh, maybe even on LinkedIn if you look hard enough. Um, but this show would not be what it is with just me. Um, it would just be like one madman rambling on a street corner, which is not something that's interesting at all. Uh, I have two very, very intelligent, very wise, uh, very insightful people on this show. And uh, they make they make my job so much easier. Easier, Nick. Go ahead, tell them where they can find you. Uh, Nick Engvall at Nick Engvall on all platforms uh, at Sneakers History at Sneaker History on all platforms. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, this was this was definitely a fun show. I, I enjoyed the the debates. So Tiffany, go ahead and let them know how they can find you. Uh, Tiffany Beers. You can find me at T I F F A N Y B E E R S. Um, and that's on Instagram and YouTube. And I just want to say it first, you know, I disagreed with Jacques and Nick tonight. This could be my last show. So <laughs> you guys comment. You let, let us know. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Wish me luck. Not at all. Not at all. You are the re- you're the reason both Nick and I are even doing this show. If it wasn't for you, no one would listen to you. Yep. Uh, so again you guys can reach us at on outside pods leave us any questions you have uh again any relationship advice you need uh doesn't matter what sort of relationship you're in uh i have the information that'll help you through it Uh, uh, as always we appreciate you guys thank you for listening listening and uh we'll see you and talk to you guys soon peace